You're listening to the No Name Photo Show. It's not spouse approved. It may or may not be safe for work. We'll see. And now here's your host, Brian Matiash, and me, Sharky James. So, Brian, here we are, episode 25. We have Quinn Vision toppled our episode output. Sharky, 25. Can't believe who's Quinn. I don't know. It's like our it's the first quarter quell for those Hunger Games nerds out there. Whatever. (laughs) 25 episodes. It's amazing. So tell us what's in today's episode. I would love to, Sharky. Thanks for, uh, well, you didn't ask, did you? You just kind of like told me to tell you. I always tell you what to do. It's my privilege. It's for the best. All right. So um, our first story for this episode, uh, I'm sure uh, many of our listeners have heard of Peter Lick, a very kind of uh, controversial in a way photographer who uh, recently found himself in a news cycle yet again about uh, a, a photo that he shared from the supermoon from last week or the week before. So we'll talk about that and kind of what controversy is surrounding him now. Second one, this is more, you know, with Peter Lick, we're going to be talking about the branding and how you market your brand. This follows that theme. Uh, this uh, photographer, kind of a fashion photographer, her name is uh, Jessica Kobasian, I, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. She's a you know photographer with a very strong YouTube presence. She has like over 750,000 followers. And she recently put out this video about how she lost all of her uh, photos and videos and content that she was working on off of this external hard drive and the cost it took to recover it. And it just, it, you know, when you watch that video and you also put the in context of the rest of how she kind of bills herself, her brand, it really doesn't jive. So that's it, Sharky. That's what, That's the show. I think it's a pretty good one. We have all these little nuggets of info and personal experience with screwing up and currently screwing up in my case, which we'll talk about when we talk about Jessica. That's right. Ooh, I'll I'll leave you. I'll leave that out there. A little bit of suspense. Right. All right. Story one. Story one. So this basically started initially, I believe it was F stoppers who called us out where Peter Lick is uh, this uh, Australian photographer who, you know, if you've been in, say, Mandalay Bay, the hotel and casino in Las Vegas and other places, you've probably seen his gigantic prints hanging in their lobby. And also he's got galleries throughout Vegas and other parts of the world. And not taking anything away from him, Sharky, he's he has some beautiful photos. However, he recently shared this photo and it's called Moonlit Dreams. And it's supposedly, you know, it's supposed to be this beautiful photo of uh, the super moon, this giant moon taking up like two thirds of the frame set behind uh, this rocky kind of cliff with trees. And, you know, uh, ever sleuthing uh, Internet people totally called him out like, wait a second, this isn't kosher. And they compared it to uh, an older photo called Bella Luna, uh, another lick photo. And you can tell clearly, Sharky, that this was a composite. Now, Sharky. I don't think you and I, either of us, have any problems with composites, right? Like just the actual practice of compositing photos. Not at all. I mean, art is art. It doesn't matter what it takes to get there. It doesn't even matter if it's good. As long as you call it art, it's art, right? Right. This moon that's in this photo is the same moon as in that Bella Luna. And as one of the guys on the uh, F-Stoppers video, and it's like a 31-minute video, I watch the whole darn thing. I generally don't sit for 31-minute long videos because I have the attention span of a gnat, as we know. But I think it's a worthwhile endeavor, even though we now know that it is a composite. I think it's worth watching it if you have the time because they break down the how and the why 
And I think it gets you thinking about photography in general and lighting and compositing and all of that. And I think that just that's valuable. Anything that gives you more knowledge like that, you can translate into your own work. But what they said is for that moon, that it couldn't have been the same moon because of the wobble of the, you know, the Earth's axis and all that. There's no way he could have gotten two shots at different time periods of that same moon. It's just next to impossible. Now, when you see this shot and you see this giant moon behind the cliff, that's okay. You can use a really super long lens, right? Super long telephoto lens, and you can get shots like that, you know, compression and all. But for me, when I saw that, and I already knew ahead of time, you know, the controversy, obviously, because we had the article over on Petapixel. When you look at this photo and you see the cliffs right away, I saw the light coming down on the trees from above and the moon was behind it. That's just not possible. We don't have two moons here on Earth. So that I called shenanigans from the start right there. It was just so obvious. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I agree with you. If you if you want to really see a great breakdown, uh, like Sharky said, we recommend watching the video and we're going to link to this post at F-Stoppers as well as the follow up post that we're just we're about to talk about over at the show notes on nonamephotoshow.com. All right. So the controversy goes out. Everyone's talking about it. In fact, I was a guest on Don Kamarechka's podcast, his Photo Geek weekly podcast. And this was one of the topics we talked about. However, this was before this story came out. So I think today, Jared Poland, who is a photographer and uh, has his own show, he reached out to Peter Lick's people, you know, Lick's studio to get an idea. And surprisingly, apparently they responded to him and they said, and I quote, Hi, Jared. Great to hear from you. Moonlit Dreams is, in fact, a composite photograph. We have been open and transparent regarding this topic since before the photograph was released. I do appreciate your reaching out and inquiring. Wishing you a great weekend. Now, here's where I call shenanigans, because if you were to go to uh, the post that Peter Lick created on his website, which now is a 404, meaning you go to it and the post doesn't exist, they took it down. Uh, he had this whole entire kind of like romanticized prose about, you know, the experience of getting this photo. And if you read it, you know, you would be led to believe that this was a serendipitous event where everything just kind of occurred, you know, as if Sharky, like you were saying, somehow a second moon came out and illuminated the cliffs, you know, all these things. Things where I disagree with Lick's people about being open and transparent. I don't think that that's the case. And this, in my opinion, is what only further hurts Peter Lick's brand. You know, Peter Lick kind of, he recently, I think in 2016, uh, made new cycles when he sold his this photo for, he claimed, I think, $6 million. He reached out to an art buyer that he knew and was like, hey, would you like to buy this uh, this photo? I think it's called The Phantom. And it was in the, I think it was the slot canes of uh, Canning Deshaies, Arizona. No, it was in Antelope Canyon. So there you go. And he, he said, hey, would you like to buy this photo? How about six and a half million dollars? Yeah. It's the most expensive photo ever purchased. And he has made just, I think, through 2015, the New York Times said he made something like $440 million in his career from all his photographs. And so part of his brand is the mystique and leading people, I would say, to believe that everything is perfect in camera. And it was obvious from this photo that setting that shot up, even if you used photo pills or the photographer's ephemeris or whatever, and you were in the right location at the right time to be able to get the light, to get enough exposure on the cliffs. Remember, this moon was from behind to get enough exposure on the cliffs and the sky and everything and get that moon tack sharp. Just not possible. You would have a slow shutter speed and the moon low on the horizon is just hauling butt. It is. It's moving. 
Right. So it was just it, so there was many things that added up to this was a composite photo, but they lead you to believe that it's not. And that is the problem. That's exactly the problem. Um, or at least the issue that I have is you want to make yourself out to be this uh, big shot photographer with all these cool accolades and prints hanging everywhere and $400 million in uh, revenue. Great. All for it. But when you put your work out there intentionally, where you're saying that this is authentic, this is a, you know, a single exposure, when it really isn't, I think that that hurts your brand. But here's the point. It hurts your brand, I would argue, with other photographers, with us, you know, and our listeners. Uh, the reality is someone who wants to buy a Peter Lick photo, have it hanging, I would be willing to wager that they could give a damn about the fact whether this is a composite or not, whether he put himself out to be uh, taking this photo uh, in a single exposure or not. They just want, they they uh, appreciate either his work, they appreciate his brand, his kind of like, uh, you know, somewhat of a, a bad boy kind of uh, brand that he has, or the fact that he's, you know, an acclaimed, uh, prestigious photographer. And so they don't care. So, you know, here we are, you and I, we're talking about this and we're, we're you know, because in the photography circles, I think he committed a pretty, I would say, heinous act you know up there with steve mccurry steve mccurry who maintains he's not a photojournalist even though his whole career he was a photojournalist and but when it's convenient to say not he says he's not thus he can remove people like crazy from photos and and that whole deal but see here's the thing it's like if you're in vegas because we're talking about vegas and you run into kim kardashian like i could care less about the kardashians but i'd be like hey there's kim kardashian let's get a photo together now, sure. you, we, without going into detail, because we want to maintain our clean rating here, we all know how she came, rose to fame, right? And so, and what has she really done since? So her brand is all just puff. It's all, it's all fake. It's all, you know, it's just a bunch of just phony stuff. And so that's her brand. And she could be called out for whatever, and no one cares because she's still Kim Kardashian. She's risen to the level where she's her own ecosystem, and she's she's got her own gravity and everything. Same thing with Peter Lick. He's the guy that sold a photo for six and a half million bucks. He's sold hundreds of thousands of photos and made hundreds of millions of dollars. It doesn't matter. You know, it's like I always think like when I eventually get out of the cave here and go to a, a photography conference. You know, this is going to sound egotistical, but there's going to be people that'll be like, oh, there's Sharky James. I'm just a guy with a podcast. That's what it comes down to. I'm just like everybody else. Peter Lick, just like everyone else. He's not necessarily a wonderful photographer, but he's a great marketer. Exactly. I think that's the the distinction. Um, and, uh, I, you know, there are a lot of photographers, I think, who operate in that kind of uh, stratosphere where, yeah, they're not exceptionally good photographers. And that's that is a very good point. They are really good marketers. You know, they are very strong self-brand ambassadors. And in a way, they can be shameless about it. And, and in a way, you almost kind of have to be. But um, the problem is when, like, there are photographers who, um, you know, they I'm not going to go into names, but people uh, look at them and, and they see them as, like, race car drivers with, you know, brands plastered all over themselves. And they'll basically align with anyone who's willing to either give them free product uh, in exchange for, like, a blog post or, um, you know, just kind of to be... Uh, affiliated with them. And in a way, they can take that and leverage it because they are good marketers. Um, they will find the audience to benefit from that as opposed to other people who either aren't as strong at that or they are much more selective 
about the companies um, and the messages that they want to put out there. So, you know, with, with Peter Lick, it is unfortunate that uh, his people, they're trying to play it off as like, oh, we've, we've been transparent about this from the beginning. And if you if you've been transparent about it, I should be able to go to that post, the Moonlit Dreams post on, on you know, Lick.com and we'll link to it. And right now I'm staring at a big 404. The page you requested does not exist. So and click here to continue shopping. So at least they've got their priorities straight. You know, for me, I would love just, you know, when photographers, when they put themselves out there, they, they're like the real McCoy. They are who they present themselves to be. Um, and maybe that's just me being naive or, you know, wishful thinking. But that's kind of I'd like to think that's how I put myself out there with my own brand is and like you said, you know, you, how like you're just a guy with a podcast. But I'm just a dude who, you know, I also have a podcast and, uh, you know, make videos and stuff. And I just want people to feel like when they either watch something that I do or, or read something that I write, that it's it's above water. Like when we are here and we do our show, we we t- go to great lengths to, to make sure that everything we do is authentic and uh, we don't want to pull one over. And that's, I think, at the end of the day, to wrap this story up, Sharky, I think what happened here is Peter Lick, at least for the photography community, feels like he was trying to pull one over. And again, this is probably things that only we care about. But since this is a show that's aimed towards photographers, that's what we talk about. But like you were saying, your brand and my brand were authentic. I At the end of each episode of the Petapixel Photography Podcast, had I get the plug in there, I always put outtakes. And I got an email from a guy one time and said, this is completely unprofessional. You should be putting out a better product. And I'm like, listen, guy, this is not you know NBC News or CNN or whatever your favorite news station is. I'm having fun. I'm a guy with a podcast. I'm doing my thing. Do, do you listen to the show? You know, it's all dad jokes and silliness and whatever. So that's just part of my brand. You know, I'm just me. So when you do eventually meet me wherever you meet me, Brian, you haven't even met me. I'm the same guy you hear right now. The same spaz that you hear on this show and on the Petapixel Photography Podcast. That's me. Sure. Like it or not, you know, and you and I were big Howard Stern fans. You got to be yourself. We learned that. I think a big influence on me was Howard Stern. Just be yourself. Just do yep. you because you can't do like we, we talked about this before. You're not going to be this guy or that girl or whatever. Just do you. You can't. You're going to be a poor representation of someone else. Peter Lick is being him. And what he is is about, you know, it's just a it's a it's all it's show. You know, he's a good photographer. I don't think he's a great photographer, but he's he's got his chops, but he's really great at marketing and kudos. He's made hundreds of millions of dollars. That's great. Yeah. So I think with that, we've. We've put this one down into the ground, uh, you know, gave <laughs> inadvertently gave Peter Lick even more uh, spotlight promotion. But, you know, so be it. Let's move on, though, to our second story, which, again, this is a uh, one where it's like almost being too transparent. If that's, you know, kind of I don't know how hypocritical or, or uh, backpedaling it is, but there is this photographer who uh, I saw her story come up uh, on one of the the websites, one of the, the content hubs. Her name is Jessica Kobasi, and uh, like I said, she's a photographer with a very strong YouTube channel. She's just a little over 750,000 subscribers, um, and you know her videos get you know anywhere from 50 to, I see some with over a million views. And of all the videos that she shared, the one that uh, really caught my eye was this one titled My $4,000 Mistake. And I skimmed through the video, uh, through most of it. I mean, I definitely got the, the gist. And from what I understand, uh, she was uh, in Australia and she had, I guess, this one external hard drive with all of her stuff, her photos and videos and whatnot. And sure enough, 
the hard drive failed. I got, uh, I think there was, it had a hardware failure with uh, the, the heads that write to the platters and it cost her about four grand to have the data recovered from a professional company. Now, here's the thing, Sharky. I'm all for mea culpas. I'm all for kind of, you know, putting out content, uh, you know, that highlights my own, I guess, failures or things I've learned to benefit the audience. However, this to me smacks just such like a rookie mistake to the point where I would say negatively impacts your brand. If you're putting yourself out there, you know, she has these videos of which camera should I buy? I'm all, all these kind of photo tips. And yet you just totally, I mean, you knew what you had and you let yourself work on this one drive without any sort of backups. To me, that that I don't get that. There's a saying for this. It's eat your own dog food, right? You've heard that before. Sure. So if you're going to put out there that you need to do this and do that and you have a big following, etc., even if you don't have a big following. Yeah, well, did she talk about backup before? Like I've talked about backup on my show countless times and I've got backups, but I don't have the best backup strategy. You know, I'm not doing the kind of volume I was back when I was a photojournalist where I had thousands upon thousands of photos. So, you know, there's a lot less data points now. So it's easy to manually back things up. And that's what I do because I don't need to have an automatic solution. I don't trust automatic solutions. I really don't. And it, part of it is just I don't delve into it like I should. You know, I've used Super Duper before, Carbon Copy, Cloner, all these kind of programs for the Mac. And I just, I don't trust myself that it's not going to overwrite something that I really need. And so I manual, I do it the old man way and do it manually. But do I have everything backed up? I don't know. At any given point, you don't have necessarily everything backed up unless you have an ironclad solution, unless you have an iterative backup and such like Time Machine on the Mac or whatever the equivalent on Windows is. But for her, why did she bring all her photos with her on the only drive that she had those things with on vacation? See, that's the thing. That's the bonehead move right there is why why don't it's so easy just to get another hard drive and use something like carbon copy cloner and duplicate that and have another backup and then bring the other one with you but your only drive it's like it would be like traveling with your only computer and your computer gets stolen and then you have nothing yeah i mean listen to me the the talking specifically about the importance and the merits of backup i think we've we've done that before there's certainly no shortage of content out there i know i've created my own videos i mean i'm i'm speaking we're talking about ambassadors in the last segment you know i'm a i'm an ambassador i'm on the g team with g technology the g team is g technology's ambassador program so like i'm very much uh you know the in with uh, having multiple redundant backups locally offsite and in the cloud i'm in the process right now, I'm almost done actually uh, of uploading about all seven terabytes of my photos to Adobe Creative Cloud. And again, disclaimer, Adobe gave me 10 terabytes of storage for my account. So I'm, I don't have to, I'm not paying for that, which is also why I'm taking advantage of it is if they gave it to me, I'm going to use it. Still, with all that said, you know, when I travel, I have a very rock solid backup strategy. I'm neurotic about it. And the, that's not the point that I want to, you know, with the story is more like, it would be if the equivalent of saying, you know, like with you, for example, I don't know, you, you're this, you have this podcast and you, you know, you are a, a professional podcaster. That is how you make a big chunk of your money, uh, Sharky. And so it, it would be the equivalent of you putting out all this, let's say you have all these videos on like, you know, all these tips on podcasting and this, and then it comes to be that like, you know, you're like, oh yeah, I, I actually never, you know, used any sort of hardware audio compression or anything like that something like a, a would be a very kind of rookie thing it's like wait a second 
I've been taking all this advice from you on how to podcast, but you just admitted to making the most, one of the most rookie mistakes in podcasting. Like, oh, I don't know, maybe you didn't do it. I don't know what a rookie, po- I'm, I'm a rookie podcaster. So you, I would leave it to you, but it would be the equivalent of with me, like the amount of content I've put out there on like the importance of backups. And then for me to say, oh, hey guys, uh, so let me tell you about this thing where I completely just didn't back things up. Well, but see, here's the thing. So I don't know how many videos she's put up, but does she have any videos about backing up? Has she talked about backing up? Because if she did, then she'd be a fraud. But I don't think she did. I think she just spaced it. I think, you know, her channel blew up. I think she's a professional photographer. She actually makes her living that way. And at the same time, she started this channel. I don't know how long ago, but it is absolutely blown up. And I think she knows some like fairly big people and they might have helped her along, like get things going, you know, not taking away from what she's doing on her own merits. It's great. She has a good channel. But if she talked about backing up before and didn't do it, that would be one thing. I think she just got so busy as we do, as one does. She got so busy that it. she just kept putting it off. Like I've got boards across from me here in my office, whiteboards with all kinds of projects and one of them says backup, you know, and that's a reminder to me that I need an ironclad backup strategy as I shoot more because what I do now, it just takes too long. So I want a more robust, more automated kind of thing. I just need to figure that out. So that's why it's there. I think she just never got around to it. But just bringing your own hard drive, the only hard drive you have with you, that's just how do you do that? Like that's that's not even just a junior move. That's just common sense. You don't put all your eggs in one basket like that. There you go eggs basket no listen it could have been just an accident or just an oversight i'm not saying again it's not the it's more if you put yourself out there that's your brand and her you know she has a lot of videos and i i've watched a few of them they're they're great i mean they're fine videos you're putting yourself out there as this kind of uh authority and it's one of those kind of do as i say not as i do situations i i think it's great that she created the video i uh, you know for me i i don't know i would be somewhat hesitant to put out a video admitting such a rookie thing and maybe it doesn't hurt her brand maybe you know she that video has over 130,000 views um i'm i'm not even going to look at the comments because i almost i don't know if i've ever <laughs> not regretted looking at comments on a youtube video so with that you know i think i just think it's important if you are working on your own brand to have some sort of i guess con- not consistency but in you know if you are putting yourself out there as this resource as a as a font of knowledge to say like oh yeah by the way i also made this absolutely rookie mistake i don't know if that helps you it, it maybe it, it ingratiates you to your audience to me when i saw that i was like whoa this is like this is not good and let me i'll give you one quick example sharky when i worked at wacom there was a video that this person made just to some one of the users and i can't remember if it was a guy or girl but this person showed they took the the wacom pen and they put a piece of of raw kind of uncooked spaghetti a noodle in where you would put the nib the replacement nib because uh, the newer pens were were uh, the the nibs were wearing out at a much faster rate than the previous ones, and for whatever reason, someone else on the social team the next day made this post asking, "Hey, what's your favorite food item, or or what's your favorite yeah like food item or something to use as a replacement nib?" And to me, that's like that's a really kind of dumb thing to do to kind of like highlight something like that, and that's what you know that to me is the analogy here in terms of. Why would you do that? Why would you share this? I, I don't know. To me, I, I don't know that that was necessarily the smartest thing. And that's kind of my final point. It was funny, though, and it probably got a lot of attention. It did. and But again, being funny is if that's not your brand, you know, I don't necessarily I'm not going to speculate 
anymore about Wacom about what their brand is, but I don't know that that's the pro- necessarily the appropriate kind of <laughs> response that you're going for is kind of laughing at the fact that someone's voiding their warranty by putting spaghetti, you know, uncooked food in their in their stylus. If you're going to be a font of knowledge, don't be the comic sans of knowledge is what you're saying. Oh, that's be- actually Sharky. That was brilliant. I I applaud you. That was excellent. That was a five-star dad joke right there. Oh, man. I, I am For episode 25, Sharky, you really came through. <laughs> hey, I have, every 25 episodes, I'm going to do that. I hope so. I'm going to hold <laughs> you to episode 50 because that was brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. So I, I get what you're saying about her. And we'll, you know, not to put it too fine of a nib on this. I, I don't give her a lot of crap about this because I, I give her kudos for putting herself out there like that and admitting that she made this mistake and being authentic like that. And I think that's fine. I don't think it hurts her brand at all. I think, you know, the poet Maya Angelou, she had a saying, when you know better, you do better. And so now she knows better. Yeah. Right. So now she knows to back things up and she's communicated that to her audience, her huge audience. And now that's going to save their butts too. They might have photos on there of their kids and like I, I've told this story on my show before, a, a friend was out, uh, you know, hiking. They had uh, they had every photo they had shot of their granddaughter on the card inside their camera, inside their DSLR. They left it on a, on a big rock in this park, in this you know, like uh, on a trail. They came back literally about eight minutes later, and it was gone. And so all the photos of their granddaughter, et cetera, were gone and you'll never get those back. So, you know, back up, obviously, that's something I need to do a better job of. I am backed up. All the things that I need that are critical to run the podcast and such are backed up. All my photos from my photojournalism career, all hundreds of thousands of them are all backed up and duplicate, et cetera. I'm still using an old Drobo from like seven or eight years ago, you know, so but it works for me. Sure. Well, listen. You know, I think there's two. There are different ways to take it. I'd be interested to hear from the audience what they think. Um, I suspect more of them would side with you uh, than with me. Maybe I'm being a bit too critical here, or I'm I'm taking it a bit too you know calculated with branding. But uh, I'd, I'd be interested to hear what everyone says. Uh, so, Sharky, I've got an important question. What is it, Brian? What's on your gear shelf? Episode twenty-five. What's on my gear shelf? And I've got a couple more of these now. One of the sponsors of my show is Tenba. So, you know, and a lot of companies make these and stuff, but I've got weight bags for my C stands and mostly my C stands. So I'm doing a lot more portraiture these days. And as it warms up, I'm going to do more as well. And so this one's a 20, this one's a 10. I think it's roughly 20 and 10 pounds ish, depending on what you put inside. You always want a sandbag or otherwise weigh down your, not, not just tripods, obviously too. There's that center hook. If you have it, use it. You don't want your tripod to fall over. So get yourself a weight bag or, you know, another tip too. A lot of people use their backpack or the camera bag and they put it on that center hook. You know, I've got my Mi Photo, uh, but I'm getting all the brands in there. Mi Photo, let's see who else sponsors me. But uh, you want to be able to weigh down your stuff. If you have it, use it, right? And so in these bags, they've got uh, zippered pockets on each side. And you want to get ones that have double zippers. You don't want just a single zipper. So because if something goes wrong with that, then everything that's in there is going to spill out. So you've got an inner zipper and that's where you put in stuff. So what I recommend is pea gravel. So for like five, 10 bucks at, you know, a big box store like Costco, Lowe's, whatever, not Costco, Lowe's or um, Home Depot, uh, Home Depot, et cetera. 
uh, you can get a giant bag. Well, you can get playground sand. A lot of people use playground sand and that's, you know, fairly heavy in quantity. But I prefer pea gravel because I figure if the sand gets out, if, you know, everything hits the fan and the sand gets out, that's a huge mess. If pea gravel gets out, not so much. That's not as bad, right? So pea gravel is smaller and takes up, you know, fills in that space more. You could use heavier, bigger rocks, but then you've got all that empty space between the rocks. So pea gravel will fill that space better. So you want to put that in the inner pocket, zip it. You've got the outer pocket to zip it on there. And then you put that over your legs on your stands to make sure that that doesn't fall over. And so I see a lot of photographers do shoots and they use light stands, but they don't weigh them down. And if that falls on your client, you're going to get sued. So A, have insurance, of course. B, at very, very least, if you can't afford insurance, get yourself a weight bag. They're like five, 10 bucks. Get some pea gravel. You can, what a lot of people do is they'll get those, uh, those bags, the weight bags, and they will fill it on location. So instead of carrying around 10, 20 pounds of bags with them, they'll just carry the bags. And then when they get to whatever location, they'll put dirt or sand or rocks. Like if you're at the beach, you have sand right there, but then you have a big mess. So it's, it depends on how much you want to carry with you, but weigh your stuff down, especially if you have also expensive flashes or strobes, et cetera, on those light stands, you're going to kick yourself if you didn't spend $10 and a few more bucks for some gravel to weigh that down. Because at some point, that octobox or that you know uh, umbrella is going to catch the wind and down goes Frazier. You know what I'm saying? So you want to protect your stuff. So there you go. There's my pick. Get yourself a weight bag or two. If you have a light stand, weigh your stuff down. You're good to go. So Brian, what's on your gear shelf? So what's on my gear shelf, Sharky? That's cool. I mean, I have my sandbags as well. Um, I just haven't used them because I haven't really needed it. I, everyone should have one. So for me, what I've got is... Um, when I'm traveling a lot, there are times invariably where I'm not able to use a tripod. There's a restriction or for whatever reason. That just usually means uh, th- that I can't use like a normal size tripod. So I always pack with me uh, like a, a pocket tripod or a travel tripod. And for my tripods, I only use really right stuff. I've used uh, them for I don't know how many years exclusively. I'm not sponsored by them or anything like that. I just love the products. And so they make this uh, tripod. It's called the um, the basic. There's the basic pocket pod, which is $80. That's the TFA-01. Um, and then there's also an ultra pocket pod, which is $120. And that has some more features that I like. But it's basically just this tiny little tripod, super sturdy. And when you pair it with one of their ball heads, I mean, it's sturdy enough to hold my my A7R3 with a 70 to 200 28 easily. So, you know, these are only maybe five, six inches each leg, but they're, like I said, they're sturdy. They've got these really nice rubber feet so that when you put them on a surface, they stick and, and this legs splay outward. So where you can get the camera, if you need to get the camera really well for like an anti perspective, you can do that. So, uh, that's, that's basically for me, it's so small and it, you know, it fits in a camera bag very easily. It's, there's no real excuse not to have one with you. Great pick. Thanks, man. Awesome. Good deal. These are all the fun little things that we talk about here on the show that you might not otherwise think about. Right. It would make a great Christmas list at the end of the year. Yeah. And uh, I mean, for for those that are wondering, a while ago, maybe like almost two months ago, it's I think we created a new page on nonamephotoshow.com called What's on Your Gear Shelf. And it has really conveniently every pick that I've made, every pick that Sharky's made, and every pick that our guests have made. So if you do want to kind of quickly see like, hey, this would exactly like Sharky said, this would make a really great gift for a birthday or uh, the holidays, uh, check it out. Good plug. Good plug. No, it's fun. It's a great list. So 
It's all there in one spot. I always check it out to make sure I don't pick the same thing over and over again. Exactly. Necessity is the mother of invention. That's how that came about. Right. All right, Brian, I think this was a great show if I say so myself. What about you? Yeah, man, I'll say so for episode 25. I think it was a really strong one. Maybe we'll get to 250 episodes like the Patapixel Photography Podcast. One can hope. (laughs) That's going to take a long time. Yeah. (laughs) We'll get it, though. All right. What do you say we clap it out? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. One, two. We'll fix it in post. Yeah. Love you, brother. Love you, too. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the No Name Photo Show. Sharky and I would be thrilled if you would subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using and tell a friend. How about we do this again next episode? Yeah, let's do that. Thank you.